Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Let me ask you today, what kind of life do you have? You know, when I ask a question like that, um, maybe our minds go in all kinds of different directions. Uh, There are many different aspects of human life. There's physical and mental, psychological, um, emotional, relational, vocational, and financial aspects that come to my mind. There's probably many more. And so if one of those aspects of life is going really good lately or or really bad, that's probably what comes to your mind. Um, If you're a farmer, then uh, vocationally, you maybe were a bit concerned uh, just just heading into this spring with the possibility of a drought. And and that's changed just last week, and farm life's looking a bit better with a good soaking of rain we got for three days here. Maybe you're somebody who's uh, dealing with some challenges financially, and uh, maybe some of you got a stimulus check this last week that gave you a little boost and encouragement. Or, or maybe your physical health has been a concern, and some of you have gotten immunized lately or, or gone through um, getting some good news from your doctor, maybe even the last week. Others of you might have had the opposite and been further discouraged by some health issue this last week, and that affects how you think about life. Maybe somebody listening today is uh, encountering relational challenges uh, with someone in your family or at work and how that goes and shapes a lot of how you feel about life. Whatever aspect of your life comes to your mind today, and whether it's going good or bad, I believe that Jesus has something to say to you today that can give you a perspective on your earthly life and also on what happens when this life is over. We've been looking during Lent here at the Gospel of John and at miracles of Jesus that are recorded there in that gospel, and and John tells us that they are signs pointing us to who he truly was and is. And and last Sunday then at Easter, we we focused on really that ultimate sign of of Jesus rising from the dead and and what that tells us about him. Well, today we're going to look at uh, just two short verses at the end of the gospel of John, in chapter 20 there, uh, where John then sums up why it was he wrote what he did in this book. And I invite you to look with me there at John 20. Uh, verses 30 and 31, and would you stand out of reverence to to God's word? So then, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Lord God, we thank you for this, your word, and we pray that as we meditate on these two short verses, Lord, that really sum up uh, everything that John was writing and, and, and what his goal was in this. Uh, Lord, we pray that that goal would be realized in each of our hearts and lives and in those who are listening online as well. And, and we pray that uh, you would have your way in our lives and that we would see life from the perspective that your word declares here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thank <clears throat> you.
First of all, I see then that John points out here that Jesus performed many other signs. In the presence of his disciples, he performed them. And I want you to just think about that for a bit. There, there were 12 men that spent three years hanging out with Jesus, going wherever he went and seeing what he did and hearing what he said. And so stop and think about your own life today, and maybe somebody comes to your mind that you spent, uh, say, three years with. Um, anybody come to your mind besides your parents and siblings? Uh, or spouses, I guess? Uh, I think of something during in my life uh, during college. I, I spent four years uh, in, in a house just a block away from MSUM campus with a bunch of Christian guys. And some of them lived there together with me, um, three of those years at least. And we uh, cooked and ate meals together. Uh, we split the bills. We rotated cleaning tasks. You'd actually be surprised how clean that house was once a week. Uh, and uh, we helped each other with odds and ends of things, like car repairs. Uh, we, we rode to church together. Uh, we razzed each other about girls. Uh, occasionally, we even argued uh, with each other and got on each other's nerves. Uh, I'd say that I got to know those guys pretty good. Uh, their likes and their dislikes, uh, their temperaments, their style of dress, uh, their plans for the future, and so on. Well, the 12 disciples probably spent more time together with Jesus in those three years than all that. They went wherever he went. They, they saw whatever he did. Um, they heard him teach. And they watched as the result was that the large crowds of people would gather, even out in the middle of the wilderness, just to hear him. They, they saw Jesus do some amazing things. Th things that no ordinary human could ever do. John was one of those 12 disciples, and he recorded then seven signs or miracles that Jesus performed, and we've been going through them during Lent this year. And what John is saying here then is that those seven signs are really just the tip of the iceberg. Jesus performed many, many more amazing things, and really the other gospel writers tell us about many more of them. And one current writer as did a study compiling then all the different miracles of Jesus that are recorded in any of the four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and taking into account that several of them overlap, and maybe three Gospel writers tell about this miracle, and two about this one, and some just, uh, one mentions a, a miracle, but compiled them all as best she could, and, and came up with them that there were at least 38 different miracles that Jesus performed. 38 things that he did, which were really beyond the possibility of human ability and could only be explained then by saying that something supernatural took place. And John says that Jesus performed here then many other signs or miracles in the presence of the disciples and that they're not contained in this book. As I understand it, the Gospel of John is, is likely the last of the four Gospels that was written. And since the others covered all kinds of additional uh, teachings and miracles. John didn't just repeat what they had said. No, he limited his writing to a particular focus with a clear goal in mind. His, his whole goal in writing is summed up in these two verses here. And, and you might say it's this, to convince people of who Jesus really was. And, and so to do that, then he gave us seven examples of these miraculous things that Jesus did and also in the Gospel of John, and we covered this one other Lenten series, um, there were seven claims of Jesus about himself 
and, and who he really was. Um, <clears throat> and we sometimes refer to them as the I am claims of Jesus. Well, as I was looking online, I spotted something that I thought was kind of fascinating. There was an individual who had come up with a whiteboard chart of the whole Gospel of John. And I think you can see that fairly decent there. I want you to just notice here what he walks through then. You have number one up there, the prologue, where, where then he's uh, recognizing uh, Jesus uh, in the beginning was the Word and, and how Jesus uh, actually is declaring that Jesus equals God. Okay? But then you go on to number two there and you have the book of signs and there you see then each of those seven signs that we walked through during Lent here and, and what Jesus did miraculously. Um, if you look off to the left over there, it also says then teaching the people, I am. And, and interspersed in those chapters then is explanation of Jesus declaring, I am the bread of life, I am the living water, uh, I am the, the way, the truth, and life, and so on. And you see, all of that was pointing to who Jesus really was, and then it tells us there, still the Jews, or many of them, didn't believe in Jesus. And then we got to that point where what we looked at uh, just before Palm Sunday or so, Jesus withdrew from them to that area where uh, John the Baptist had been teaching and so on for a time, and then he came to Jerusalem. And then you have number three there, the book of glory. And those last chapters then of John um, give us a, a glimpse into Jesus' relationship with those disciples as he spent much time with them, um, comforting them, telling them what was going to come just down the road and promising them help and, and praying for them. And, and then we see then the, the passion as he uh, died on the cross for them and then as he rose from the dead. And then we see still that there were some who struggled to believe. And, and it, this author asks the question, how about you? And then number four there, the epilogue shows us Jesus um, in, this, in that last chapter then, uh, visiting with the disciples again, uh, feeding them and um, reinstating Peter and, and then ascending up into heaven. Kind of fascinating to think of, that's a summary of what really we see in the Gospel of John. Um, those signs were written that you would believe. Those seven miracles Jesus performed, Jesus, or John recorded those as signs to point us to who Jesus really was so that there would be no doubt in our minds about that. And he reports to us seven signs so that we don't just try to dismiss a couple of those uh, miracles as, well, not really happening. And we tend to sometimes do that, don't we? Um, you know, take, for instance, the sign <clears throat> uh, changing water into wine, for instance. Uh, uh, we might tend to just dismiss that or explain it away. Um, people might say, well, water being changed into wine maybe really didn't happen. The water pots must have just gotten mixed up, and, and there was actually wine in them even beforehand. Or um, one of the healings you might look at and say, well, maybe it was just a coincidence. Um, people might say, well, you know, that sick person just happened to start feeling better at the same time as Jesus said he was healed. Um, or, or it might be explained away as a, as a case of mistaken identity. And they, they tried to do that in one of the chapters we looked at here. The, the guy claiming to have been blind and to have been healed, that, that wasn't the same guy as the one blind before birth. Uh, it must have just looked like him. You know, so some might try to explain it away. John gives us several examples, uh, several miracles, uh, several healings, always in connection with Jesus, and they start to be convincing as a result. And there's no other way to explain what happened, that he, that he had powers to do things that only God could do. 
And besides the healings, there were the other things we looked at here. The feeding of the 5,000 people with only five loaves and two fish. Or, or the walking on top of water that wasn't frozen water. Or, or the raising a dead man uh, who had been in the tomb four days and bringing him back to life with Lazarus there. And then that ultimate sign, Jesus himself dying, being buried. And then after three days, walking out of the tomb alive again. John wants to convince us that this Jesus was more than a carpenter's son, more than a prophet, more amazing than any other person ever to walk the face of this earth. And, and these seven signs then were written that you might believe two things, he says, uh, about Jesus and who he was and is. That you might believe that he is the Christ, that, is, that he is what all the Old Testament was talking about, the Messiah that the Old Testament prophets spoke of for hundreds of years, that promised one, that Savior, had arrived at last, and he was Jesus of Nazareth. Not a mere man, <coughs> but, but rather the, the Son of God. Because you see, only deity could do such miraculous things. And so I ask you today, as you think about these things, how about you? Are you convinced uh, of these two things concerning Jesus? If not, then, then I would invite you to keep reading. Re read the whole Gospel of John. Read the other Gospels and, and ask yourself, is there really any other way to explain the amazing uh, historical person of Jesus Christ? Could four different Gospel writers each tell of Jesus' various teachings and, and many miracles and have just really made all of that up? <clears throat> Could they have fabricated such a fantastic story about a mythical person? Or could they have then just kept those lies from being exposed? Uh, even when it meant martyrs' deaths for all of them except John, for holding to those miraculous accounts, for holding to that testimony that they had, that they personally had seen and touched Jesus alive again um, over a period of 40 days before he ascended back up into heaven and they watched him go. John's goal in writing is to absolutely convince us that Jesus is the Christ. He's the promised Messiah and that he truly was and is the Son of God. And if you're convinced of these things, if you believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, <clears throat> then I want you to look just beyond that here at, at what John says that you then have. He says this, that by believing in him, you have life in his name. And as I was studying this, I found it rather interesting, um, and I'm, I'm no Greek scholar by any means, but there are three different Greek words that are in the New Testament, all translated into English um, into that word life. <clears throat> and one of them is, is this word bios. Um, you recognize that perhaps. Uh, uh, biology is a word that comes out of that there. It's life of the physical body. Um, Think of it then as, as our physical existence. And, and we all then have this kind of life. If, if our heart is still pumping and, and we're still breathing. <clears throat> and this word, this um, Greek word is not used in the Gospel of John. Whenever John talks about life, he's talking about something more than just the physical existence. <clears throat> A second word, uh, Greek word that is used in the New Testament for this word life is this word psuche. And now that's not just physical life, but, but more, it's the psychological life of the human soul. That is the mind and the emotions and the will. And that word that we know of psychology comes out of that 
root word. We all have this kind of life as well. If our brain waves are still working and, and we're processing information and we're feeling things and we're making decisions, <clears throat> that word okay is uh, used eight times in the Gospel of John. However, most of the time when John talks about life, he's using a third word, which covers then the dimension of human life that includes the physical and psychological, but also the spiritual dimension. <clears throat> he uses a word that uh, includes an aspect of human life then that, that some people completely overlook. And they either then don't know the spiritual aspect of life exists, or they choose not to experience it, or they claim some sort of spirituality that's not really connected to the one and only Almighty God, the creator of all things. Some people <coughs> excuse me, think of spiritual life as connecting with nature, for instance. Uh, however, if, if they worship the creation rather than having that creation then point them to their awesome creator. They're missing out on life as God intended for them. Well, that third word is this word zoe. <clears throat> Excuse me a second. This word then encompasses a more complete understanding of the human life. Not just the physical <clears throat> or the psychological aspects, but also spiritual life. Life in a relationship with God. And this word zoe <clears throat> is used 39 times in the Gospel of John. And <clears throat> not everyone has this aspect of life. You, you might be physically living and breathing and, and mentally thinking and yet still be missing out on life as God meant for you to have. So if you're feeling like there's got to be more to life than what you're experiencing, then I invite you to listen up today because it's possible that there could be some listening today that have not yet come to find true spiritual life. You're disconnected from God your Creator. You're living in rebellion against Him. And you're feeling then the emptiness of that. You see, it is impossible for us to experience this kind of spiritual life without admitting our sins and our need for Jesus. <clears throat> it's also possible that some of you here would be a believer in Jesus Christ today and you have a relationship with God, but you've forgotten part of what comes with that. Or it's possible that sin has crept in to your Christian life and it hinders that spiritual life as it's meant to be. Today I want to remind you of that as well. So I want to talk to you today about, about eternal life. Seventeen times in the Gospel of John, alongside that word zoe, is this word ionian, which is eternal or everlasting. And even in the times when John uses just the words away, um, it, it still seems to be referring to that same thing, which is eternal life. Literally, in English, it's life without end. <clears throat> but even that definition doesn't really do justice to its meaning either. See, there are two aspects of eternal life that we need to understand. There is a present life on this earth in a relationship with God. <clears throat> And there is future life in heaven with God. One commentator says it this way, eternal life is the life of the age to come, which is gained by faith and is also a present possession of the one who believes. And so you see eternal life, 
Eternal life is more than just fire insurance. We take out insurance on our house, and it includes then coverage of the building and its contents in case of a fire or some other catastrophe. And that insurance then doesn't really end up doing us any good unless that catastrophe occurs. But we still think it's worth paying something for it just in case something terrible happens. Well, some people tend to think about becoming a Christian as kind of just like fire insurance. Just in case hell is real, I'll believe in Jesus so I don't end up there. Uh, so I have then eternal life insurance. But, but it won't do me any good unless after I die, you think. Well, it is true that believing in Jesus will keep you from hell or from perishing. John 3.16 tells us that, doesn't it? Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But that ends up then really just looking at one aspect of eternal life and overlooking that eternal life is also a present reality here and now. Eternal life includes living now in a restored relationship with our Creator, God, because of our belief in Jesus Christ. It includes then living each day of our life, knowing that all of my sins and failures of the past are forgiven and are no longer a barrier wall between me and God because Jesus took on himself the penalty or the punishment that I deserved when he died on the cross. And this means then that even though I continue in my life to struggle with sins at times, as I also continue to look to Jesus, I stand righteous before God in his righteousness. And I look to the Bible then to guide me in my daily life. And I talk to God freely about anything in my life. You see, yes, eternal life includes that kind of a current relationship with God in my daily life here and now. And life in a relationship with God then will just continue on after this life is over and we enter into the next life. And that step two is something that God wants us to have a real confidence about. That confidence that comes when we take God at his word. And Samuel Miller in the book Life in His Name wrote a couple of things here. I want to share one quote here first before I put it on the screen. He said, Assurance will never be gained by searching for it in your own heart and your own feelings. You gain assurance by looking to Jesus and learning, how, and learning to know through the word of God what a Savior Jesus is. <clears throat> he also said this, Assurance is the flower and the fruit of faith. Assurance can only come to those who in faith have entrusted their soul into the hands of Jesus. To expect to have insurance without coming to Jesus with their sins and asking him for salvation is just as foolish as to expect a flower and fruit without any stem and without any root. You may make an artificial flower, but that's not really a flower. Eternal life. That's the theme of John's Gospel. And, that, and that's why when, when some of the people who had followed Jesus quit following him, and, and then Jesus asked Peter that day, back in chapter 6, if he was going to leave as well, Peter's statement was this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You see, no one else promised what Jesus promised. A, a, a way to know for sure that things are right with God here and now, and, and a promise that even though we are sinners and we deserve God's judgment, yet because we believe in Jesus, we skip the judgment and we enter eternity in heaven with him. There are all kinds of voices that are speaking today, telling us of things that we need in our life. Or if you just had this, then you'd really be living in this life. Um, some kind of a tasty food that will really satisfy, or some appliance or tool or electronic device 
They'll, they'll make life so much better. A, a, a new vehicle that will really make you feel like you've arrived in this life. An ultimate vacation trip to a spectacular destination. And you know, there's nothing wrong with those things. But they will always fall short of truly satisfying us. There are lots of voices out there telling us uh, how to get more out of this life. But what other, whatever other voice uh, you listen to, make sure you don't miss this here. The promise that Jesus gives us here of eternal life. Only he offers us that. The Son of God died on the cross for you and for me, and then rose from the dead. And he's the only one that can offer us eternal life. And he said this, I am the resurrection and the life. That is the, the zoe, the, the eternal life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. John speaks of life eternal. Um, 39 times then he uses that word, zoe, because he wants us to know who Jesus is and to have this kind of life in his name. And there's nothing more important in all of this life than to know that. I think about our men's breakfast group has been walking through the Gospel of John as well. And last week we looked at chapter 6. And it was interesting as we thought about Peter's account and what he, what he said there. Many of these guys echoed that same thing. Um, they gave testimony of various things that they um, looked for. Satisfaction in this life and, and finding all of that empty until they came to believe in Jesus. Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I ask you here today, in closing, what kind of life do you have? Do you have eternal life? The most important thing in the world is to come to know that. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for John, who lived close with Jesus for three years on this earth and observed him, listened to him, saw the miraculous things he did and recorded some of that for us, told us of, of the claims that Jesus made about himself. And, and all of this with that purpose of pointing us to who he truly was, that we would have no doubt in our minds, but we would know that you sent your son to this earth to be our savior. And, and that he willingly went to the cross for us that we could know forgiveness of our sin and that he would take on himself the wrath of God on our sin. And we thank you, Lord, that John also revealed that he did not stay dead, but he rose again and, and conquered death. And the ultimate sign is there. And, and Lord, thank you that John gives us this, this glimpse by repeating this word over and over uh, that means eternal life. And Lord, we pray that for those who are listening online and for those who are here today, that each and every one of us would, would understand that there's more to this life than just the physical or even our mental capacities and so on. But you desire that we would have that spiritual dimension to life, that we would know a personal relationship with you as our creator God and, and our savior. That we would know if we are willing to humble ourselves and confess our sins, that there is full forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And uh, Lord, we pray that each one uh, would deal with you personally and, and confess their sin and trust in Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. 
And Lord, we ask that you'd be at work in each, of, uh, each one here in our church, Lord, that we would recognize what we have and that, Lord, we would want to spread it. That we'd want to share that others too would know this very important dimension of this life and, and being ready for eternity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.